Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of the Null Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Gardner Carls. It is Thursday, December 22nd. Florida State just added 22 players to its roster on the first day of the three-day early signing period. That is uh, 15 high school players, six transfers, and one JUCO player. Uh, So me and Essen decided to uh, press record and, and just talk about this class, what it means for Florida State in the big picture, and just talked about a few of the players in the class and, and, and also looked ahead to the 2024 class. So uh, here is my talk with Essen. Okay, I'm here with Essen to talk about Florida State's 2023 recruiting class. As of now, as of Thursday morning, we see that Florida State has 22 signees. That means uh, 15 high school signees, one JUCO signee, and six transfers. Uh, so a little bit different, new age of uh, college football now, Essen, where we're counting transfers as signees. That I don't, I don't remember that like ever happening in, in previous years. But that's just kind of the nature of college football. But um, looking at Florida State's class right now, uh, they're ranked number twenty on two four seven, twentieth on on three, and 29th on rivals. Uh, Essen, let's just get to it. What What do you think about this class? You know, um, I think we talked about it a little bit. Is um, um, for just talking about the high school side, it has it's a high upside class. They got some great, you know, some good players. Obviously, Tyke Williams being the highlight. Um, it's a good class. It's a good high school class. But and if you look at the composite average score, it's a it's a you know it, it would rank top fifteen, top twelve probably if you know they had more commitments. But I think it's fifteen. So um, it's an overall deep class. But it's gonna be interesting to see that they focus on the transfer portal, which is ranked number two on um, um, 24-7. So it's a, it's a good class. Um, got some talent, got some top-end talent. I like the class. Um, you know, um, it was interesting how um, Norvell talked about yesterday. He mentioned, you know, one thing he mentioned was they um, have a, they went heavy on the recruiting side, um, on the transfer side for um, wide receivers last year. This year they focused on the um, high school class, and they got some good guys, and he said they can make an immediate impact. Yeah, I really like Hakeem Williams, and also really like uh, Vendravius Jacobs, All Day Dre. Uh, I think I think that kid's uh, highly underrated. But uh, just generally uh, speaking about the class, um, something that you know people I'm sure know, but uh, it's always good to remind folks that when you take a small amount of guys, you know they're gonna. I, be, I believe in 247, Rivals, and on three, they, they count the Juco player, Jaden Jones, uh, out of Hutchinson. So 16 guys. That's a small class with high school, 
So you're not going to be ranked very high. I mean, all of them would need to be four or five stars for it to be a you know top ten class. But uh, when you have only sixteen guys, of course you're going to be in the twenties, and and that's not excusing it. I think you look at the class and having more three stars than you have four plus five stars. They call it blue chip ratio. Uh, that's not good. They got nine three stars out of sixteen players in the class. Um, that's that's not a good ratio to have if you want to build a roster that can contend for national championships. Uh, but you look at the top of the class. It's a very top heavy class, is what I talk about. Uh, Lucas Simmons, you know that could be your future left tackle. Uh, that kid is a special player. Um, he is the highest ranked offensive tackle the Florida State has signed. Uh, since Lander Dickerson in the 2016 class uh, per 247 Sports. Then you look at Hakeem Williams. Since Rivals, uh, you know, uh, since, since 2003, uh, he'd be the third, he's the third highest ranked receiver that uh, Florida State has signed uh, on, on Rivals. So um, you've got some guys at the top of the class who can be special, special All American type players for this team. But the, the 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 entire class, there's not there's not just this loaded class of like, boom, like there's twelve guys that you know are going to be phenomenal. There might only be four or five that are going to be great players, um, and that's what happens when most of your class is three stars, and that that's the one problem I would just identify. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think there is a lot to like. There's a lot to not like. We'll we'll go we'll go into the day and and Celtic Falk and and everything else uh, here throughout the podcast. But just generally speaking, I think you feel decent about the class, but you don't feel incredible. But you know, there's also the transfer component of it that you mentioned. They're number two on two four seven, and I wrote this in my 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 story, my analysis after this. You can't ignore uh, transfers when it comes to this equation. They're part of the equation. When you include them, it looks more like a top fifteen class. But um, Essen, let's just let, let's dive in a little bit more to that phenomenon with transfers. You know, it's it seems like they're still making transfers a priority. That's why they've taken a smaller class. They're already up to six now, and it seems like they're going to be adding a few more. Last three classes, double digit transfers. It looks like it's going to be another double digit class of transfers this time. Yeah, I think an interesting thing people need to note is um, it's not just a um, recruiting class anymore. It's an open scholarship kind of class instead of, you know, just a recruiting standpoint. So you're just trying to fill spots on the team more than anything else. And interesting thing about Norvell said is, like, you know, they've, the interest at for Florida State from the high school level and from the transfer market is elite, is what he said yesterday at his um, press conference. But Florida State... And Norvell mentioned this as well: is they're not going to decide anyone. They don't care if you're the number one recruit, you know, recruit in the nation. You have to be a fit at Florida State. You have to be someone that's going to come in and make sense on the team. Talking to um, Duke, Coach Dugans yesterday, the wide receiver coach, he mentioned that you know the important thing about Hiking Williams. That's the biggest thing about him is he wants to be a teammate. He yeah. wants to help his teammates. He wants to get his team to the next level. Um, Norville mentioned the same thing about um, Kyle Murlock, is that 
he wants to come in and fit in, like, you know, and how, how he wants to hit – what he said mentioned was how, how he's going to take the team to the next level. So for Florida State, it's not about adding the most talent all, all the time, which is important. Talent's important, you know. Yeah. But it's also about making sure it's the right fit and making sure the player is going to get Florida State to the next level. So what they signed yesterday and what they're adding to the class, like I mentioned, it's a – talent acquisition more than a just a high school yeah so it makes sense to add the recruiting side i get it i understand that i think we've talked a little bit about this up off um you know recording is is it sustainable yeah just on the um the recruiting side on the um transfer side well i i look at this what they're doing this cycle and you know it may be a wacky comparison but it, it's somewhat comparable to what the Los Angeles Rams did a, a few years ago where they, they just decided, you know what, it's a little bit more extreme, but they decided, you know what, we don't care about the draft anymore. We're going to trade all our picks to get, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford and, you know, we're going to go out and get OBJ, you know, all these things. And they went all in on the now. And they'll worry about later later. And it gave them a Super Bowl. And I look at what Florida State's at as a program right now. What do you need? You need difference makers immediately. So, like, I look at the tight end room for an example. What's a better thing for you? You know, that's going to be a big position of weakness looking, you know, a month ago out of next season. You think, oh, man, Cameron McDonald's leaving. Who's left in that room? And would you rather get you know, a really good three-star that you like in the 2023 class or a guy that you know is going to be awesome immediately in Jaheim Bell out of South Carolina and Kyle Morlock out of Shorter. Um, you take the, the transfer every day of the week. You know, the, the portal is more about the win-now guys, and right now Florida State is in win-now mode. You know, you don't take – a ton of high school guys because those guys may not see the field for two or three years. So to me, I see them in win now mode, kind of like the Rams was. But the one thing about that is, okay, 2023 is the year. They're going to have Jordan Travis. They're going to have Trey Benson. They, they may have Jared Verse. We'll see. But after that, when all those guys leave, who are going to be left that's why high school recruiting is so important because they need to find that next quarterback. They need to find the next Trey Benson, right? And so um, I think they've done a really good job on the offensive side of recruiting. I think they've loaded up on the O-line really well. Uh, running back, Sam Singleton, you know, fantastic running back. They've got a loaded room there. Wide receiver, they're finally getting their act together. They finally got it figured out. Tight end, they're finally figuring it out. The two great transfers. Uh, quarterback, I, I really am high on the 2024 kid, Luke Cromanhawk. Uh, but defense is where I have some questions. And I think that's that's the question. Is you, you, you look at 2023 and you say, okay, I think they're putting it together to where this is a team that can win the ACC championship next year. But in 2024, if they don't recruit well enough on the trail and if they don't you know, kind of fill these voids that Jordan Travis is going to leave, that Johnny Wilson's going to leave, et cetera, et cetera. What are they going to be left with? Uh, so that's that's kind of the 
the the way of looking at it, in my opinion. And I think it's why you've had so much of a polarizing way of looking at it. I, just looking at Twitter and what fans are saying and the emails I get, some fans are like, the sky is falling. We can't recruit. Like, what's going on? And then other guys are like, hey, dude, like, it's not all about high school recruiting anymore. It's all about everything now. And did the team get better? Are they going to be better next year? Yes. So stop complaining. So it, it's really interesting to see the philosophies. I think time will tell which ones is is more correct. I think you made a great point about, you know, um, the, the, the it is a great comparison to, to the Rams. I think the main difference is what you also pointed out is they have Hakeem Williams. They have, um, you know, um, Brock Glenn, and they have Singleton, who are like, you know, the next wave of stars for this team probably, more than likely. So that helps. But like you mentioned, the defense. I have questions about it next year as well, yeah. even if Jared Verse returns. Um, we saw they had a stretch where they dominated. Defense looked elite. But then we saw what happens when they play the best defense since it, uh, the best offense since, it, since they played, um, was it Wake Forest, I think, that we talked about? The best offense since Wake Forest. And we saw that everything we were, were worried about, like the run defense is still a major question going into next year. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 2024, when first is gone, when we don't know about Fabian Love, and I'm leaning towards he's probably not coming back, but we don't have intel on that, so we can't say one way or the other. Yeah, 2023, but, you mean, yeah. Yeah. So, um, for 2023, so, but 2024 is like, you know, yeah, Patrick Payton, if Payton has a good year next year, he could be someone that's going to be talking about leaving as well because he's going to be a redshirt sophomore next year. Yeah. So, you could lose even more talent from that defense. Who's replacing these guys? Greedy yeah. Vance, um, do we know if he's coming back even next year or not? It's a major question. And the defensive back room is something they haven't really filled yet. So, that's a question for next year as well. I think. You need high school kids for that. You need um, transfer kids, transfer players for that. I'm not sure if they would address defensive back at all. I think that's a weakness right now as well. Well, I, I'm concerned about DB development. Like I see a lot of players that get into the DB room, and they don't get better throughout their careers. I'm not going to single out anybody, but like you just look at that room. There aren't a lot of guys that get better as they go in through the the, the system, whereas you see every other room, Patrick Payton, Kalen DeLoach, all the O-linemen, the receivers, like they're all getting better. Um, so I have questions even when they get the talent, can they develop them properly? I think that's the biggest question mark on this roster that, that Mike Norvell's got to consider. But um, yeah, I, I do think this defense had, had some fraudulent uh, tendencies where it was like, Okay, they look really good against the backup quarterback against uh, Georgia Tech. They look really good against a banged-up Syracuse team that is completely lost. They look really good against Louisiana. But, okay, what happens when they face Anthony Richardson and Clemson and and Sam Hartman? That didn't go very well. So um, next year, um, I see this offense being, once again, a top-10 offense in college football. Jordan Travis, once again, top 10 quarterback in college football. Maybe a Heisman finalist next year. We will see. But uh, the defense is where I think uh, the, the questions are. And, and I don't think they're done with the portal yet. You know, they, they added a, a D-tackle and, and Daryl Jackson. Uh, I, I could see them adding at safety 
they're obviously going after the the, the Virginia corner uh, Cypress. So um, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, I still think they can improve on that side of the ball, and and, and it's not over yet. But um, going back to the high school class, SN, um, any more thoughts on just kind of overall, or do you want to start kind of breaking down a, a couple individual guys? Um, yeah, obviously, the, the top of the class is really impressive. Is there anyone that kind of stands out to you that, that you think's worth talking about? Yeah, I mean, um, I've heard nothing but rave reviews about Andre Otto. Um, you know, I wish I was a scout that got to go to Key West and hang out over there for a couple of days to scout him and, you know, just talk to him and figure that out. <laughs> uh, but he's a big dude. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be ready to play right away, but that could be the future of, um, you know, Florida State because – Six five, three hundred ten pounds. Yeah. He's, you know, looks like a strong kid. He 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 could be a future of the offensive line. As good as Lucas Simmons might, it could be. You know, um, I think Andre Otto's going to be a name that people need to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, they've got a ton of developmental guys at the uh, at the bottom of the the group. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, obviously Jaden Jones is a guy who went the JUCO route. But uh, one guy I think is worth mentioning, Edwin Joseph, uh, somebody who, I mean, you know, I used to cover Notre Dame and they used to take guys like this all the time where it was like he was a receiver, his entire uh, uh, high school career. And then last year, last two years, he says, you know what, I'm going to play DB and then all these colleges get interested in him uh, out of nowhere. Uh, you know, Notre Dame, they ended up being one of the better developmental programs because of their academic restrictions. They, they kind of had to be, and that's why they got in the playoff. They had so many three-stars that ended up popping. Well, this is kind of that example of a guy who was a late bloomer that schools like Michigan and OU got into at the end of this process here. Um he, he, he played receiver, you know, the whole time. And then this past summer, he says, you know what, I'm going to play DB. And as soon as he starts playing corner, everybody in the country started to notice him, including Florida State. Miami was on this kid. Um, you know, he's he's listed at about six foot 180, so so some decent length there. But, um, yeah, that, that you like when you're three stars – are guys that have high upside. You don't just want to get a guy who's like, eh, they had to get him because he was their 30th option on the board. But, you know, you can get a guy like Edwin Joseph who every team in the country was in on, and really he could end up being a four-star level player. I like getting a guy like that. Vendravius Jacobs, I mean, there's been sort of this uh, – controversy around him uh, with what he's rated. People think that he should be a four-star. 247 rivals, they've always been like, ah, he's more of a three-star. I believe 247 has him as a four-star now. But um, he led the led the state in receiving touchdowns this year. The state of Florida, you know, <laughs> the state that has freakish athletes like Hakeem Williams all across the, uh, the state. To lead the state of Florida in receiving this season is – Unbelievably impressive. Um, Lamont Green, obviously, uh, being the son of Lamont Green Sr. Uh, so there's there's some guys in that middle to bottom mix there that I really like 
that, you know, probably don't get mentioned as much as Hakeem Williams, Lucas Simmons, Blake Nicholson, you know, those kind of guys. I think um, going back to Joseph, a comparison I've heard this past week, and it's not apples to apples, but um, was um, Trayvon Diggs, who yeah. um, is your Cowboys. You oh, know, yeah. <laughs> but um, he w- when I was in Alabama, he was um, signed as a wide receiver at the time over there. And out of necessity and out of just like, w- how are you going to play in this wide receiver room, even though you're talented? You know, he's the younger brother of Stefan Diggs. Um, out of just all of that, they're like, Nick Saban approached him and said, you want to move the cornerback because I can't remember who was in the receiver room, but you know the Alabama room's been loaded. For like, I think Calvin Ridley was there. Um, it might have been, I think it was after Mario Cooper. But it was just a ridiculously stacked wide receiver room for Alabama, like as every year except this year. <laughs> um, but there, uh, he went out there and started playing quarterback, which he hadn't done much, I think, since high school, and maybe a little bit because he's a younger brother of a NFL star. Yeah. So um, they're not going to ask him to play too much both ways. But yeah, he, um, you know, he made his name out there at defensive back. And I think um, that's an interesting comparison because I think that could be Edmund Joseph could play himself, you know, make him because he's still developing as a cornerback. Yeah. It's going to take some time, but he could be someone that could be he, a name to watch out in a few years. He needs to be developed, though. I'm telling you, that DB room. That's, I don't know. That's, man. that's, another, that's another point. I don't that's know. <laughs> but. We got to talk about a Hakeem Williams for sure, because this is one guy that I think no matter what comes from him in year one, I think you're okay if if he's not. I mean, like with how explosive this offense is going to be, it, it, he he's in a great situation. He doesn't need to be the star right away. You know, when when they were pursuing him two years ago. They're probably thinking, you're going to be our number one guy right away. Well, now he probably doesn't need to be if, if Johnny Wilson's coming back. Uh, and I think that's kind of the situation that suits him the best because you just talk to people who have followed this kid uh, and know his skill set well. They say that he is the ultimate upside guy who obviously he has a high floor, like he's a five-star for a reason. But like, he it's going to take him a little bit to learn more the nuances, the the offense, the, you know, how to block, all those like little things that, that go with being a, a star receiver. Like he's going to need to kind of develop a little bit that way. But the from an athletic standpoint, the jump out the gym, uh, best athlete on the field he's got it I mean he may be the greatest athlete on this roster from the moment that he steps onto the field uh so why I say upside there is when you have that freakish athleticism as long as you're at least competent when it comes to blocking and running routes and all those things you're going to be an incredible receiver uh it's just a it's it's a matter of him getting in and you know learning those nuances of the game that that will help him kind of accelerate through the program so it's not a guarantee that he's going to be day one starter that he's going to be the second leading receiver next year or anything like that um, I think he has a good chance to to, to do those things but um, the expectations for him right away should be a little bit manageable um, but obviously down the road 
his upside. I mean, he could be one of the better receivers that has ever played in this program, which, I mean, that's really saying something. I mean, I think it's a good point. And just um, something about practice is Darian Williamson is back and looking healthy, and that when he when he is healthy and playing well, he's as good as any receiver yeah. on that roster. He made a diving catch yesterday. It was fun to watch. So it's going to be fun to see that wide receiver. It's going to be fun to watch those practices because – as we've been out there, we've seen those. They push each other. They love pushing each other. They love making highlight catches and, you know, one-upping each other. So it's going to be interesting to watch them next year in practice because I'm telling you, watching those wide receivers is more fun in practice than in game sometimes just because what you can, yeah. what you can see, what they do and the catches they can make and just the – it's fun. Um, it's a loaded it, – like I'm not going to say there's a bunch of stars in the room, but it's like a bunch of pretty good players – that like really just get after it in practice you know like I think Johnny Wilson is probably the guy who's like has the star capability like we've seen him be a star against Louisville and things like that but beyond that it's just a lot of guys that are pretty good and so you in practice you see like eight guys who are around kind of the similar level who are really you know getting after it's it's fun and I think Hakeem Williams day one will be in that group. And, I mean, uh, Mikey Williams has already built a um, strong – I mean, being a five-star, being a well-known and committing to Florida, he's already – a Florida State, he's already built a strong um, fan base and liking. But his comment yesterday in his IG Live about doing his commitment of, I'm not Travis Hunter, is going to uh, yeah. resonate really well with fans. So. Yeah, and, and so backstory on that, apparently Colorado had been calling him all day. Dion been been hitting up his phone saying – Hey man, uh, want to make it two years in a row of uh, of <laughs> me flipping an FSU five star uh, and Hakeem, you know what you like about him, man, is a loyal kid who, um, when he committed to FSU, he committed to FSU. He had so many big programs going after him when it comes to Miami and A and M and Georgia and Alabama, and uh, he stuck through it. He, he visited FSU's campus many, many times, and um, he was an active part of this class, trying to recruit other people and, and really always supportive openly of uh, FSU. Yeah, one thing that sh- should be noted about you know, staying loyal is, um, talking to Dugan yesterday, he mentioned that Strandon High School, Strandon High School in Fort Lauderdale, there was schools that came and tried to get Hakeem to transfer and go play, go win the state championship, and right. I stayed loyal to that. So that says a lot about him. And that could be interesting is, you know, in the NIL era, there could be, if Hakeem is, I don't see him redshirting, um, but if he doesn't get the playing time he wants, is there a chance he transfers? Because someone's going to throw the bag at him? I think with his back, less chance of that, less likelihood, he's probably in this class for the, the long haul. Yeah, I th- I think that's another it, 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 that that reminds me. Um, I think people who are anti high school recruiting or, or the people that are like, eh, it's not a big deal, is they realize, well, shoot, we might get really excited about a guy like Hakeem, and he might transfer two years later. Like, why does that? Well, why do I need to get excited about this? Or the, or they might say, you know, I'd rather get a guy who's transferring and he knows where he wants to go, and you know. Uh, 
and and he's already a good player and so we don't have to worry about the playing time crap and and all that sort of thing uh so i i fully understand that and so i think that's why it's important to get a blend of guys who will play for you hakeem williams blake nicholson and then get some of those high upside guys that that are three stars um another guy worth mentioning lucas simmons uh four-star guy out of, out of Clearwater Academy. Um, another guy where, you know, O-line, you, you don't like to put them in the microwave. Uh, you want to put them in the oven. I, I keep, keep them baking for a while. You, you don't want this guy playing for you until year two, year three at least. Uh, same thing could be said about Julian Armella. I mean, if, if he had had to play year one at FSU, that would have been bad for his development. And so kudos to, to Alex Atkins getting some transfers and and turning around what was really a, a bad room into a a pretty good unit. Uh, and I think you're starting to get to a point on this team, on this O-line, where you don't need to play true freshman anymore. You know, you don't need to bring out Robert Scott and Darius Washington and have them play right away. You can have these guys bake in the oven and really develop the way that they need to be developed because some of these guys – you know, you mentioned Chris Otto. Like some of these guys, they need to get in with storms and gain thirty pounds, or lose thirty pounds, or gain muscle, or get quicker. And if you're just throwing them out to the wolves, game one, that's not good for their development. They they can't properly learn the way they should. So, you know, a guy like Lucas Simmons, yeah, it's exciting. Um, I, I wouldn't expect them to play year one or anything. And, and I think that's okay. Like you, you want this guy to, to, to not be on the field for until year two or year three. And, but the future with Alex Atkins is very bright because you've got that blend of guys that can play now. And you've got those guys that are, you know, like we say in the oven a little bit that, you know, two, one, two years down the road, your starting O-line will be guys that you did recruit out of the high school and not a bunch of transfers. I think that's a good point. I think that's something, it sounds like Norvell and um, Atkins and whoever, whichever coach you're going to point out, does not sugarcoat and lie to the player. They're not like, you're going to come in as a freshman and play day one. You're not going to come in as a transfer day one and play. Mm-hmm. They tell them, you're going to come in and you're going to have to earn your spot. You're going to have to work in practice. You're going to have to work. Um, really hard and earned that spot. No, nothing is given to anyone. Johnny Wilson came in, earned his spot. Trey Benson took his lumps early in the season and took over his spot. Jared Burst came in and um, he's talented enough that he came in and won that job. Um, Maurice Smith well hosted um, Jaden Lyles. Lyles obviously got hurt, didn't play, but they competed with each other. You have to come in and earn your spot with this team, and that's something. Atkins said, talking to him yesterday, he said, is what the players, it's not even what the coaches tell the players, the, the recruits, it's what the players tell the pl- recruits, and that's how you get people to come here, because yeah. as Atkins pointed out, he said, you know, it's one thing if a coach tells you something, can they go to the player and verify it? When a player and the coach are on the same page and telling you the same story, you're going to come here and understand that you're not just going to come here and get a job because of you're a five-star guy. I think Haikim knows that. I think Lucas knows Knows I'm I'm not I'm not coming in as a four star guy and earning playing time right away just because of my name and because of my stars. 
it's it's funny whenever whenever I talk to Atkins how confident he is. He's just like literally ask any player on the team, ask the third team center, and he'll tell you the same thing that everyone else does. And you know I don't know if you can say that about every position group, but uh, you know <clears throat> overall you also have to factor in looking at the twenty four class when you think about where this group is at from a recruiting standpoint, and I think those who are concerned. Like, I, I think you're – it's okay to be concerned about this class. It's okay to say, oh, wow, 29th on Rivals? That's the lowest ranking that this program has ever had on Rivals. Now, it may improve, but 27th was the lowest before that. Now it's 29. Um, so, yeah, not, not great. And the transfer portal market, as great as it is every year, you're not always going to hit on guys. You're going to have Bless Harris and Caden Lyles get hurt. You're going to have, you know, a guy you think is going to be a great player really not be that great, or maybe they don't they don't acclimate the way that you want, or maybe they don't have the grades. Like you don't, FSU has kind of hit the lottery these last two years, and you got to give them credit because they did a great job evaluating guys like Trey, uh, Trey Benson and Jared Burse, but. That may not happen every year, so you got to get high school guys. And in 2024, the encouraging thing, they're a top five class right now. They've got guys like Cam Davis. they got guys like Luke Cromenhoek. So the light is at the end of the tunnel, but the, the key for them is can they close on these guys? As Luke Cromenhoek gets all these offers, I keep saying Hoke, it's Hawk. As Luke Cromenhock gets all these offers from big programs, will he remain committed to FSU? I talked to him about it about a month ago. I'm writing a story about him. He was very much like, I, I want to hear these coaches. I want to uh, you know, have communication with other schools out of respect for them. But I'm 100% committed to FSU. So he, he's sort of in this mindset where he'll hear out other schools, but that doesn't mean he's interested in them. So it's something worth watching. These big-time guys in the next class, will they you know, you know, venture elsewhere? I think the fact that they are going to have a you – know, they had a great year this year. They're going to have a great year next year. That will help them. You have to remember this class was built off a of five and seven season. Uh, so it should only get better. But it's good to emphasize that it's very important that, that they get their act together at, at certain positions and that, that they don't have, you know, they, they got to crack the top 15. They haven't cracked the top 15 since the 2017 class, and, and that's uh, certainly not good. So you mentioned you have the um, Luke feature coming up next week. Um, I think you, or later this week, actually, you mentioned. Um, I'll have the superlatives list of this signing class probably tomorrow morning. Check it out. Um, anything else you're working on, Carter? Yeah, I've I've got a story on uh, I don't I don't know how I did it, but uh, the OU athletic director Joe Castiglione is Michael Alford's mentor, and they know each other very well. And he gave me some pretty good insight on how uh, Florida State, before they unveiled their um, football only facility, while they were working on the project, uh, they let Mike Norvell, uh, Michael Alford, David Coburn, lots of other folks tied to FSU, uh, visit OU's facility. They went and, and saw the Rams, the Packers, the Giants, uh, the Cowboys, the University of Alabama. 
uh, to, to see these facilities. Um, and just talking about the relationship that he has with Alfred, I thought was pretty interesting. And then obviously we will uh, be getting to Orlando Christmas night. So uh, that, that should be fun. Uh, so that will be what I am uh, working on. And, and then, yeah, we'll have Cheez-It Bowl coverage throughout the week. And plenty of Cheez-Its to eat, I believe, is oh, the yeah. case. Oh, yeah. Can't wait, man. Well, uh, I, I think that's all that we got for you guys today. Uh want to wish everyone a, a Merry Christmas. I want to wish everyone a Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, Happy whatever you celebrate, uh, Happy Gummy Bears and, and candy and, and stocking goodies that you get. Uh, I mean... This is a wonderful time of the year. Um, I'm not eating Cheez-Its right now. I'm saving it all for next week. I want to just like go on a Cheez-It craze. I've like intentionally not eaten any Cheez-It for a month. So I'm ready for it. Um, excited. It's going to be a fun bowl game. So uh, with that, we appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you, guys. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.